Jay Ellis from the Nick of Time Show here giving you that Knicks talk just in the Nick of Time. And it's time to talk about a Knicks loss. Knicks is a tough one in Miami. It was a battle we fought, but at the end of the day, we still lose 120 to 127 advantage. Miami Heat. RJ Barrett has a pretty good game 26 points and five assists and very efficient once again shooting 61 percent from the field randall very quiet tonight only scoring 50 points after an offensive explosion the game before where he dropped a career high 57 mitch had an up and down game 10 points eight rebounds and three blocks brunson 25 points five assists but the five turnovers really hurt us Quentin Grimes siding on offense in 22 points, but at the end of the day, the Knicks could not defend, allowing the Heat to go ape from the three-point line today. Shot, well, I think it's like 80% from three. Is that crazy? No, that's 80% from the free throw line. 57% from three. And the Knicks has 16 turnovers on the night. And the bench outscored us 30 to 22. And the Miami Heat really scored off turnovers. Turnovers were the theme of the day. And so was transition defense. And the Knicks lose to Miami. Uh, so listen, we're trying to we're trying to get to the playoffs right now. We have some work to do, and we're gonna talk about it all. But before we talk about it, first, shout out to FUBU TV if you want to watch the Knicks for free. For seven days, all you got to do is go to fubutv.com slash KOT. You can watch MSG, other sports channels, other cable channels. And if you decide to, to buy it, we get a little bit of peace. And you can cut the subscription whenever you want. So shout out to Fubu TV. Also, hit that like button. Hit the subscribe button. And I heard some people say they don't get notified when we go live. So hit that notification bell early. All right. And we definitely... Definitely love the comments. You'll see me and Lee arguing in the comments on Twitter and on YouTube at your leisure. All right. All right. So let's get to it. Uh, let's introduce you to my guys. First and foremost, welcome back, Ryan G, the man, the myth, the legend, the guy at the stats and the facts. Ryan G's in the building. Glad to be back. Was in New York for a while, but now I'm back in Indy, so I'm back in the podcast. Let's miss go. you, dog. Miss you, dog. I miss, I miss, I wish you was here for all the Cam Reddish stuff, cause I they they dodged the bullets, all right. Because I already know you had the bazooka. Also, yes, shout sir. out to my guy, my favorite arguing partner, uh, Mr. ESPN contributor, posting toasting contributor, <laughs> Desmond contributor, Lee Escobedo. What's going on, man? See, I muted you. See, you talk so much stuff early, I had to mute you. I can't even hear you right now. <laughs> can anybody hear Lee? Mm, no, nah, I can't hear him. Lee is muted. See, that's that karma. That's all the karma. I'm back. I'm talking bad about okay. his early is come back to haunt us. <laughs> I said, I, I don't argue with bums on, on any platform. Only the elite JL is, is on a Mount Rushmore of Knit fans. So any opportunity I get to go back and forth with him, I consider it an honor and a ple pleasure. 
Uh, tough, tough loss tonight, but I'm not too upset about it. These things happen in the course of a season. Not going to get too much too down. We're having an unbelievable season. Best of uh, my fandom, and I'm happy to see our boys bounce back next game. Absolutely, absolutely. All right. Now, shout out to our very special guest, set KOT on fire last time he was here. Ironically, he was here for Nick's Heat before, and we had some great discussions about trades and everything under the sun. Shout out to my man, uh, contributed to SNY, really good dude, Dexter Henry. What's going on, Dex? What's up, guys? How you doing? Wish I was coming to talk to you after a win, but we're talking after a loss. Uh, slight concerns about the Knicks right now. Slight concerns about the Knicks. I was in the building the other day for the Wolves game, so slight concerns. Oh, slight. So, so you saw the back-to-back shellacking of the Knicks. Yeah, oh. man. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I definitely have some concerns, but I'm going to play point guard and dish it off. So what are your concerns uh, for the Knicks so far after watching two back-to-back losses by our New York Knicks? Look, man, I, I think when you look at both of these games, right, the Timberwolves game and this, the concerns are pretty evident to me, and it's defending the three-point line. You brought it up, Jay Ellis, uh, in this game, allowing the Heat to shoot 57%. They're 28th in the league and made threes. This is not a good three-point shooting team, yeah. not a good offensive team. You know they're going to give you a lot of trouble with defense, and the game's always tight with the Knicks and the Heat. Everybody knows this. So I didn't come in thinking it was going to be a cakewalk, but when you are giving up that many threes – um, as they did tonight. The Heat shoot 16 of 28 from downtown. And then you look at the other night where it's 14 of 28, 50% from the Timberwolves. And in that game, the first half just was crazy. At one point, they were shooting 70% from downtown. Um, the Knicks, you know, look, you can't get behind in these games where you allow these teams to shoot that well from, from downtown. The Knicks' offense has been fine. Any Knicks fans talking about their offense, that's not the issue here. The issue here is defense. And the other issue here is turnovers. Turnovers. Yes. We saw uh looking at looking at it the other night. Sorry, I actually had the number wrong on the on the, the Wolves shop 14 to 24. That was 58% the other night, right? So 58 and 57. The Knicks 16 turnovers on uh, against the Timberwolves. The Knicks also with another 16 turnovers tonight. This is one of the better teams in the league taking care of the ball. That's not going to get it done. This is really simple, guys. Those are the two contributing factors as to why they lost. It's really no further than that. The Knicks offense is fine. They give a buck 40 the other night, a buck 27 tonight. That's not going to get it done. The defense has to be better, yeah. and you got to take care of the ball. It's really that simple. Um, and I think until that happens, until um, we see that, they got to rectify that against Orlando. It's a back-to-back. Let's see how focused they come out against Orlando tomorrow. But they got to take care of the ball, got to defend the three point line better absolutely gotta take care of the ball gotta take care of the three-point line i felt like they hit a lot of threes to me in transition off of stops off of turnovers the heat scored what 20 points uh off of turnovers which is a pretty high number nine points alone in the first quarter so we definitely gotta take care of business and a lot of hand mound man down um sometimes from three as well some three, some threes were actually contested, but I still feel like you know what you got to stop the bleeding in the beginning. You let you allow teams to get comfortable, start running in transition, and get and uh, it starts to get really hard to stop once a team gets a rhythm. We've seen that with the Timberwolves, and we saw it again today. Uh, Ryan G, what did you see from the game? Yeah, so I mean. Yeah, what Dexter said, like he was pretty much on point. It's, it's turnovers in the defense. Um, 
I did think Miami did a good job of moving the ball around and getting the Knicks rotations out of whack, yeah. per se. Like, you know, when, you know, Knicks, uh, Knicks were often chasing them on defense and the fact that the Knicks were chasing them on defense, that led to a lot of open Miami threes. I also thought Miami did a good job of relocating on the three-point line as well in certain situations that allowed them to shoot open threes as well. Um, but yeah, it's really that simple defensive turnovers. If the Knicks can just, you know, rectify the defense, rectify the turnovers, you know, they'll be good. But besides that, like, I was impressed. I, a matter of fact, I've been impressed with RJ in the last, yes, like, three or four games. Like, I think RJ Barrett's definitely turning a corner on offense. And I like what Dib said the other day as well when he said, like, you know, for RJ Barrett, just keep the game simple. You know, just attack the basket. You know, if there's opening to the basket, go all the way. You know, if you're going to the lane and you see, like, the lane is blocked up, then pass. So I like the fact that they've tried to simplify the game for Barrett. And it seems like it's working because Barrett tonight had 26 points, AF 13 shooting from the field, 3 or 6 from three-point range, 7 or 7 from the free throw line. So I definitely I definitely want to big up the Bodman because it seems like the Bodman is turning the corner. And for me, he turned the corner at the right time too. So I'm definitely glad to see that. Grimes had a great game as well. 22 points, 7 or 12 from the field, 6 or 10 from three. I I, I I I wish that we could get more games from Grimes like this. Yeah. No, but but I think a lot of times it, it's it's more due to the fact that the Knicks just, the Knicks just, just have to find him more. Cause mm-hmm. some games, you know, like they they just won't look for Grimes on the three, you know, out, you know, at the three-point line to take shots. And so I'm glad that they were finding him tonight. But overall, the yeah, the main concern was defense and turnovers. If the Knicks just get those right, they'll be back winning. Yeah. Not worried about this loss at all, uh, or th- the last two losses. We haven't gotten blown out, but no, no one got smacked. No one is playing really poorly right now offensively. We just played two teams that were hot for us. They wanted to show that they could win uh, against you know a very good Knicks team. I think Minnesota. We saw an anomaly, and, and Terry and Prince hit nine out of nine shots. That's not going to happen every night. It happened to have it happen against us. So I'm not going to get overly concerned about those type of anomalies. Tonight, we pretty much kept guys in check. I mean, the guys that you thought would go off went off. Hero and and Bam and Jimmy Butler were the three best players. It wasn't like Kevin Love had his 25-point game. It wasn't like Matt Strews dropped 30 on us. There was a night where the guys that you expected to play really well against us played really well. And we were in this game. like We were in the Minnesota game, too. So I don't think this is a, a cause for alarm. I actually thought Tibbs toasted a really good game tonight, too. Uh, I thought he should have went small maybe a little bit sooner, but that's not his MO. He's not the type of coach to, to make really drastic uh, changes uh, from his game plan against a team that he he and I agree probably is inferior to us. So, you know, Mitch didn't have that awful of a game tonight, um, but I think maybe we could have went small maybe a little bit sooner into fourth, and we might have been able to to have an edge. Um, did the live – I just got – shoot, the live ended. Oh, no, no. I'm No, it did. Okay. Sorry, sorry, so sorry. Um, so yo, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Defensively, I'm I'm gonna touch on RJ Barrett since since uh Ryan taught. Love what RJ's been doing offensively. And actually I love what he's been doing defensively. Defensively been solid too. Um, even at the end, are you Jimmy hit a tough shot? RJ Barrett um goes for the rule of verticality. That for verticality, sorry, jumps straight up and down, but he just hits a tough shot. I've actually liked RJ Barrett's game and his process ever since All Star game, with the exception of two games. 
Defensively, though, the biggest issue right now is really um, Jalen Brunson, if you guys haven't realized. Two games in a row, I feel like teams are starting to hunt him. Um, they were hunting him versus the Timberwolves. Um, when um, what's that? What's the long kid's name on the Timberwolves? He's, his name is escaping me right now. But McDaniel? excuse me. I don't know. I'm guessing because he said long dude on the Timberwolves. So I, I, so I just thought McDaniel's. McDaniel, yes. There was there was hunting uh, Jalen Brunson yesterday, especially when he, Brunson was on McDaniel's. Today it is like no matter who had the ball. If Brunson, no matter where Brunson was, if Brunson was on Butler, Butler was getting the ball. If Brunson was on Strauss, Strauss was getting the ball. Uh, so we're gonna have to look out for things like that in the playoffs. In the playoffs, they typically pick on your weakest defender over and over and over again, and this is the second time we've seen that. And we're going to have to get used to that and find ways to uh, rectify that situation. So that. Uh, concerns me along with the three-point defense in general, especially in transition. I don't know if Dexter wants to add anything to those points. No, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Jay Ellis, because I that's something I definitely noticed the last couple of games. And I don't think it's surprising that we're seeing this late in the season now, um, especially with teams who are vying for playoff positioning. You're going to see that teams are working on things, yeah. working on hunting, hunting the other team's weakest defender, the Knicks are just going to have to get better. They're going to have to send traps quicker, rotate back, try to force the ball to the team's weakest shooter. That's a that's a chess match you're going to have in the playoffs. So, you know what? If you're a Knicks, if you're a Knicks fan, you got to welcome this because now's the time where you also get to work and counteract defensively what you want to do. The Knicks mm-hmm. schedule coming going down the stretch, not that hard, man. And uh, that can always be fool's goal because you can look at some of these teams like they're easy. It's not that hard. Their next games, they've got Orlando, they've got Houston. Next week, they see Miami again at home. That'll be a big game because they can win the season series there if they get that one. Then I think they have Cleveland in Cleveland. And, you know, that's a test because it looks like the Knicks will probably match up with them in the first round. So I I think this is something where either Brunson is going to have to take the challenge of defending better. And he does fight hard generally, but I also wonder – with his foot, how many teams with uh, how much teams are testing him to see what he has defensively with his injured foot? He's probably still not 100%, but this is a good test for the Knicks to see what it's going to be like in the playoffs because good offensive teams are going to pick on Brunson time and time again. They're going to test him, exactly. Especially when we start to get to these a longer team. If, if the Knicks stay pat, right? But I don't want to get ahead of myself because we right now we're in fifth, the Heat, there are a few games behind us. A win and a loss, they jump a whole game. We were three games ahead, now they go two. We play the Heat next week. All these games right now, super important, extremely important. But if we play the Cavs in the playoffs, stuff like that, their two best offensive players are diminutive. They're smaller guys. So we're not going to have as much of an issue playing the Cavs. But playing the Bucks, playing the 76ers, then you're going to have some problems and the Celtics as well. If they start to employ that same uh, offensive scheme on us uh, on, on the flip side, maybe we should have done the same thing to Kyle Lowry. I don't know why we, we didn't exploit that matchup more, but maybe, you know, we should have done that. more. I don't know if you guys want to add anything, Lee or Ryan. No, I mean, well, one thing about Brunson, he had a damn good game. I think that stat that's on the board might be one assist off 
because what I saw, he had 25, 6, and 6, shot 62% from the field. So even though he was getting cooked on defense, he still brought his A game on offense. I'm glad to see that foot isn't hindering him as an offensive player. He still has great footwork around the rim, getting open and creating space. Uh, very happy to have him back. I think he's going to be a key piece and that's trying to maintain standing moving forward. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless NBA.com is wrong, because that's what it says on NBA.com. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I had on ESPN and said six. Yeah, okay, so. yeah one side six. Oh, NBA.com got it wrong. Sorry, damn it. Y'all, y'all fooled me. I'll update y'all, y'all stats. Any concerns on Randall's performance? Only 15 points a day. Um, a lot of turnovers as well. The offensive fouls got to him, it seemed like. Any any concerns with, with Randall's performance, Dexter? Um, No, I, I tend to – Randall, I tend to always worry about when he has a really good performance – because sometimes he has a tendency to start feeling himself. Um, I, I didn't think that was it as much today. I got to give the Heat credit. I thought they played good defense. They frustrated him, as you said, in some offensive fouls. I think this is one of these ones after he had a great performance, obviously, offensively uh, Tuesday night against the Timberwolves. You know, you got to you gotta bounce back and, you know, got to see what works. You know, I think this is one where he's got to look at the film. He's got to try to improve uh, on what he saw, what he saw, and not try to do too much. You know, I think sometimes Randall's a tendency to force it a little bit. We see that with the turnovers, uh, but he did make some good passes late, including that one where he found RJ to cut it to five. I think yeah. it was about forty-two seconds left. That was a good pass where he where he didn't force it. But you know, I think he had three offensive fouls in this game, yeah. uh, if I'm not mistaken. Got to get a little better than that. I think the things where you worry about with Randall guys, and it comes in terms of playoffs. We saw it. I said Tuesday night, I meant Monday night. We saw it Monday night at the Garden. You see it again tonight. I'm getting a little bit worried about him with the talking and the technical fouls and mixing it up with people. Yeah. Look, I love seeing guys go at it, like seeing them go, the Knicks and the Heat go at it, but you can't do things late in games that are going to cost your team. You know, we got to Tech the other night. He doesn't grab the, the key rebound against the Timberwolves, and that's costly. I just worry sometimes with his mental when he gets too much. In the playoffs, yeah. good teams – that have some shit talkers out there are going to try to rile him up and get in his head. And he's got to be better than that. I think that's where my concern is, but let's see how he bounces back tomorrow night against Orlando. I agree. I agree. You guys want to jump in? Yeah. Yeah. um, I wholeheartedly agree. Like with me, it was mainly the, the emotional side of the game because trust me, I love the passion Randall plays with. Like I love the fact that he's passionate I love the fact that, you know, if somebody's going at him, like he's going to go right back at them, you know, but you, but the thing is, you know, you do have to be a bit more controlled, especially like Dexter said during the playoffs, because players will try to get into your head and see if they can throw you off your game. And he's going to have to learn how to just kind of like let things go and just play his game. So, I mean, that's the only thing. And then of course, like, you know, he had nine assists tonight. So I think he did pretty well with, you know, trying to find other teammates for open shots and things of that nature. But I do feel like, you know, like Dexter said, like, you know, he does need to, I think he does need to try to simplify his game like a little bit more, mm. you know, kind of like how Thibs kind of simplified the game for RJ Barrett, like kind of simplified the game for Randall as well. Like, you know, like don't try to force the issue. Like, you know, if you're driving to the basket and you see they got the lane clogged up, just pass the ball out, you know, don't try to force your way to the basket and things of that nature. So, you know, I think if Julius Randle can just, you know, just just calm down a bit, you know, I, I love the emotion, 
you know, but don't get yourself into trouble where the like where the refs have to call technical fouls on you and and just try to simplify this game a little bit more. You know, Julius Randle is going to be fine. You know, mm-hmm. I agree. I think he's going to be fine too. I'm not worried about the outbursts. If this was something that was lasting for over a month that was costing us games, that would be cause for concern. But it's been a very small sample size. I'd have no doubt Johnny Bryant and the rest of the guys, people that he trusts and uh, listen to, would get it right. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yo, man, listen, there were some good things, man. The Quentin Grimes played really well today, 22 points, two rebounds. I really liked the way he played. He was aggressive, 7 to 12, 58% from the field, 60% from three. Really liked his game. We really needed more of it. Uh, played solid defense for the most part, except for some, some, you know, some some fouls on on Butler, but Butler's just that's a supremely tough cover, so I'm not going to doubt yeah. him for that. The second unit in general, I thought we really had a chance to win. Fourth quarter came up. It was grime time was coming down there. Hartenstein, heart-to-heart passes, full court was doing well. Some really good things to take away from this game, even though we didn't come away with the win. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, no, I th- and I think the, the fourth quarter started the fourth quarter. The bench, like you said, JL, they, they really – spark the team there there's some good things that i think to take away i think overall these last two games if you're a knicks fan it shows you the team is still doing good things on offense they're still getting offensive rebounds um you're starting to see some shooters wake up and barrett and grimes who've been a little bit uh asleep the last couple of weeks they're starting to heat up i think that i think that's good because a lot has been on quickly quickly did not have the best shooting game or offensive game tonight but he's been tremendous off the bench he should win six man of the year i've been saying that and i i think yeah i think the knicks offense is fine i just think they got to get back to finding their defensive identity a little bit as as we've been saying but there's plenty i think to be excited about particularly you know ryan said it off the top with with rj um rj's been a little definitely more consistent he's been mixing it up he's been more efficient that's the key thing for me right he's been efficient you see him attacking the rim that's a that's a good sign what i see for him where he's attacking the rim and then the outside shot is falling and i think for knicks fans it's like oh okay he's hitting the three it's a pleasant surprise is what you need i've been talking to some knicks fans and they're like hey we they need that consistent third scorer and i think for most of the year it's kind of been quickly yeah in, in, in that role in that way but i think a lot of knicks fans would like to see rj be a little bit more consistent with his game and i think games like tonight where you're not asking him to do too much like ryan said yeah. he's playing within himself it seems like it's a bit simplified i agree and he's you know another thing is he he wasn't doing too much in terms of like turning over the ball we've seen rj we have some bad games we had some bad turnovers this wasn't the case tonight seeing to really be playing within himself and I, I hope that he's finding his stride as we get closer to the playoffs Absolutely. We're going to need him. (laughs) Yo, second half, RJ, is the real thing. We already know the game plan. The game plan for the playoffs, target Jalen Brunson on on defense, take the ball out of Brunson and and, um, Randall's hands on offense. That's going to lead RJ Barrett to have to take over. I feel like he's found uh, a nice little rhythm playing off of those guys because they have been doubling Brunson and Randall. Um all game today and it, shoot they even been doubling quickly so quickly is on people's mm-hmm. uh, scouting report right now so rj is going to have to keep doing what he's doing and if he if i uh, hopefully he keeps that rhythm going into the playoffs all right yo salutes to the chat um 
If y'all here right now after a Knicks loss, y'all the real MVP. So give a shout out to the fans, Alexander and Grill Gamer Channel, uh, uh, Mark Confessor, everybody that rock with the KOT show. I want to get to another topic that, because, you know, me, Lee and I, we've been going at it on Twitter and we're passionate about this topic. So since we're passionate about this topic, I figured we just bring it to, to the to YouTube streets and take it off Twitter. Let's streets. go. All right. So we can get into it. Uh, but I'll, Dex is the guest, so Dex, Dex gets first crack, of course, because Dex is the guest. Right? Oh, uh oh, uh oh! <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I think I kind of know what this argument might be about, but I'm not sure. So okay. let's see. Well, um, the bigger the big issue is okay. What is success for the Knicks, right? I I've been watching ESPN lately, and scratching my head because you know Stephen A. Smith and 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 RJ have been saying that if the Knicks don't get to the second round it's seen as a failure um I don't necessarily agree with that for numerous reasons but I'll ask you Dexter what your thoughts on that is if the Knicks do not get out of the second round if the Knicks, Knicks not make the second round, is that a failure to you? If they don't make the second round, is that a failure to me? Right. Uh, I'm going to say no. I'm not because I don't think it's a failure if they don't make the second round. I think it matters. I do think it matters how they look in the playoffs, right? Mm-hmm. Like if they, if the Knicks play the Cavs, which I think many people expect them to, not locked yet, many people expect them to. Let's say they get swept, or let's say it looks like they did two years ago against the Hawks. Failure. If the Knicks lose to the Cavs and it's a tough six or seven game series, I don't think it's a failure. And here's why. I, I, I was in this. The Knicks are right now in the range of wins that I thought they could win this year. I thought they were a 42 to 44 win team, right? Right. They might, they might, they're, they're likely to exceed that. They're probably going to win 46, 47, maybe even 48 games, possibly, right? right? Not many people were predicting that for the Knicks. Not many, at, I'm talking about it at that high. I think there were other people with me that thought they could be above you know, 41, 42, 43, 44 wins. I think the way I look at this season is what is the growth of this team? What is 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 the culture of this team getting better? And I think that's right. And I think it does matter how they perform in the playoffs. I also would like to go on the record and say, I think the Knicks can beat the Cavs. I think it's a really good matchup for Same. them. I think they I think they can do it. But I don't think if they lose to the Cavs, it's a failure. I think like I can say if they get smacked by the Cavs, it's definitely a failure. They don't show up. R- Randall looks terrible in the postseason. Uh, Tibbs looks like he's out coach. Then it's a failure. But I don't think if they lose, it's a failure because I think if you make the playoffs two out of three years and you see some level of progress in how the team is go- is growing, et cetera, I think that's fine. So I don't think it's they've got to win around or 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 it's a failure. I, I think this season in itself to me has been a success because you have to look at where the Knicks are and where they're positioned for the future. They've got two players, one who could one who made an all-star team in Randall. Another one who could have been an all-star in Brunson that I think many Knicks fans would agree with. No, neither of those guys are on max salaries, okay? 
They still got all their assets. All right. Yes, we still fans would like to see RJ get to the next level. Fans would also like to see Obi Toppin get some more playing time. I understand all that. But some of y'all fans also wanted to see Cam Reddish get more playing time. And I think we learned that Cam ain't all that as some of y'all might have thought that he is. But I think this team has been trending the right way. Quickly's developed. We all talk about the development in the Knicks, right? Development nice. matters. Quickly is developing that nicely. Okay. We we've seen that. Josh Hart looks like a rotational player that should be here and around this team to come. Nice. That fans love. That was a good trade by the Knicks. Okay. Brunson. For some people out there who thought he was overpaid, looks like a steal now mm-hmm. and is playing like one of the best point guards in the East. The Knicks are not in a bad position no matter what happens in the playoffs. Thanks. Now, can they get a star? There's all this question you talk about. Can they get a star? Can they add on to that? That's all stuff we can wait until the offseason. And that will matter. But for now, I think if this team, no matter how many games they win, I think it's about having a good showing in the playoffs. If they lose, no, nah, I don't think it's a play. It's a failure. Uh, if they were a higher seed, guys, and they had, like, clear home court advantage, I might look at it differently. But as a five seed going into a winnable series that is probably close to a toss-up, nah, I can't call it a failure if they lose. I, w- I wouldn't say that. Yeah, I Unless mean, they get smacked. I, I do have that caveat. Unless they get smacked, then, listen, I, then I look at it a little different. I, listen, I'm with you, man. I feel like those type of caveats are, are for teams who are in the playoffs year after year after year. If you're in the playoffs some consecutive years, then is and you're like a top four team, that's different. If you traded for Donovan Mitchell and we're in the playoffs last year, and then you lose to the Knicks, the Cavs look way crazier losing to us than we losing to the Cavs. Uh, oh, I mean, definitely. Like, def, def, definitely. And here's the thing: expectations change from year to year, or however you go. Now. I don't care what happens with the Knicks, even if they get smacked this year. I don't think they will, but even if they did, right? Next year, the expectations change for the Knicks. See, now next year, if they get back to the playoffs and they don't win, then it's a failure. Exactly. Yeah, so at some point, it's about – you can give a team two out of three years to build culture, but then it comes to winning around. You make a great point, JLS. The Cavs, right, they get to the play-in last year. They they don't make the playoffs. They make a trade. They get Donovan Mitchell – if they lose to the Knicks, oh, it's, it's more egg on their face. You went and traded and got the superstar. You added it to your young core without having to give that much up. You're expected to win. Uh, and and now you haven't done that. But to be fair to that team, too, and I'm not making excuses for the cast, they don't really have much playoff experience. No. And this is part of the reason why I give the Knicks a really good, strong chance in that series. Um, that some of these Knicks got playoff experience a couple years ago against the Hawks. They know what it's like. Randall knows what it's like. Brunson definitely knows what it's like. And they might have an edge in that in that. So we'll see. Go ahead, Lee. I know you I know you're shaking. I know you got your author fist. <laughs> uh 99.9% disagree with Dexter. Um, 99.9. Wow. I think this season, the regular <laughs> season, has been an unmitigated success. Like a, a fantastic success. There were only, he's right, only a few guys predicted a 50-burger. I was one of them, loudest and proudest from the get-go. I knew what Jalen Brunson would bring this team. I knew having a point guard filled our spit as whole. I knew Tom Thibodeau had a relationship with Jalen Brunson. So I figured from my vantage point, another year of quickly IQ, Grimes, Mitch, RJ, a, a, a more focused Randall, 
that we would be a 50-win team and Tiz would have his best coaching season as a Nits head coach. All those things have came true. We could lose half a game from here into the playoffs, (laughs) and it would still be a successful regular season. But with Tom Thibodeau coaching this team and the roster we have in place, regular seasons is not what Nits fans are interested in. We're interested in the postseason. And judging by Tom Thibodeau's record with us, we got smacked, embarrassed, bamboozled, hoodwinked by the Atlanta Hawks in 2020. It was an outright embarrassment. We were the higher seed. We had home court advantage, and we lost in five games in an embarrassing fashion. Because Tom Thibodeau failed to adjust, failed to utilize the, the whole roster, and failed to make serious changes to the point guard position until it was too late. So if those type of things happen again to a team that even though they're higher seeded than us, I believe we are better roster-wise, star-wise, bench-wise, starting five-wise, and head coach-wise. Tom Thibodeau is a better coach than J.B. Bickerstaff. If we lose to them in the first round, it is an absolute failure. Uh, Okay, can I respond to that? Listen, I I want to, but you're the guest, so go ahead, Dexter. (laughs) Okay, Lee. And Lee disagrees with me 99.9%. So I'm going to say I disagree with you 99.9%. But I love you, Lee. No. So here's my Lee, here's my my thing. Here's my thing. And I I have no, and I'm saying these questions really seriously. I won't throw them out. You brought up the previous playoff Mm -hmm. thing. And you said Knicks fans, I want to, you said, I I want to misquote you here. You said Knicks fans have expectations about the playoffs is that you said they want to see results in the playoffs is that correct yeah yes okay so my thing is that to Knicks nation out here you got to start from somewhere like the Knicks have not been good they've been terrible for like two decades they just got to the playoffs this could be two playoff appearances in the last three years now we're talking about expectations in the playoffs the Knicks like the Knicks who have not accomplished anything. You got to crawl before you can walk, right? Now, I'm just to your point about Tibbs in 2021. I don't think that playoff loss is on Tibbs in the way you're putting it, right? You're, they had a, their starting point guard was Alfred Payton. We were expecting Derrick Rose, oh, who was fantastic trade pickup, to save the Knicks in that playoff is series? Is he even in the I league think, anymore? Like, come on. <laughs> I think, no, he's, he's not in the league. Point guard play hurt us, Lee. You're, no, you're, un, you're not right. Point guard play hurt us. The fact that offensively, the Knicks didn't have the skill set of players to target Trey Young, who's the worst defender in the league, hurt, hurt them in that series. Randall was terrible. RJ was not good in that. Can I kill those guys in their first play? No. They had a bad playoff series. I'm with you. The Knicks were bad top to bottom. I do not think that team is as skilled as this roster. And I think you'd agree with me on that, right? So from that standpoint, I kind of understand why you're saying, hey, I look at this roster compared to that roster. I might have higher expectations for that. I don't think you're wrong for that. I really don't. Well, I don't think any Knicks fan is wrong for that. Do I think that it's a failure if this roster doesn't win in the playoffs? I think I, what I guess want to turn that to you is, do we think that this team, and I'll let you have the floor for this, and Ryan, you too, I want to hear, and everybody else. Do we think that this team is really ready to win a round in the playoffs? And if so, why? Hell yes. Okay. These, we have kids on this team, but we also have veterans. We have Jalen Brunson, who won damn near won a series on his own last year against the Utah Jazz. Against who? Donovan Mitchell. 
smoked them in the playoffs. We also have the, the leading six-man of the year candidate in Emmanuel Quickly. We have an all-NBA defensive team candidate in, in Mitchell Robinson. We have an MVP candidate in Julius Randle. We have this roster is so skilled and so tailor-made for Tom Thibodeau's system on both offense and defense. We're a much better team than we were two years ago, so my expectations are much higher than they were two years ago. Also, the crawling thing. Two years ago, that was a crawling. So now we can have a puncher's chance at a team that, in my opinion, were better than. If we were playing Milwaukee or Philly or Boston in the first round, I would be with you. I would say let's temper expectations. We're playing teams that are vying for a championship this season. Cleveland is not vying for a championship this this season. They're waiting on Evan Mobley to, to reach his superstar potential, which he has. They're waiting on Jared Allen to develop an offensive game, which he has not. They're waiting on Garland and Mitchell to fully mesh, which he haven't. They're waiting on Isaac Curro to develop any semblance of an offensive game, which he doesn't. We outmatch them, starting lineup, bench, stars, and coach. We should win this series. It, the, don't look at the record, but at the talent on the two teams, we should win. No excuse. I think they, I think they can win. I do. I do agree with you, Lee. I think they can win. But I would ask you if they lost it. So you're telling me if they lost a seven game series to the Cavs, you would call it a failure. Yes. That's ridiculous. I'm sorry. Yes. I'm trying okay. not to speak so much. Go ahead, Ryan. No, go ahead. I'm no, just no, having, I'm just having a discussion with Lee. No, Ryan hasn't spoken all the whole time. So. I'm going to dish it off the run because I. <laughs> okay, so this back and forth was definitely entertaining between Lee and Dexter. So I'm just going to add my two cents. Okay, because I agree. I agree with a lot of what Dexter said. I agree with a lot of what Lee said. I'm probably going to combine it a bit together <laughs> and formulate like what I think about this. So, okay. Going into the season, I don't, besides Lee and probably like a few other people, I don't think the expectations for the Knicks were really that high going into the season. Like me personally, I predicted 45 wins. I thought the Knicks would be like a 5-6-7 seed, which is around the seating they are at the moment. So, I mean, that's what I expected from the Knicks. And going into the season, I wasn't expecting the Knicks to, you know, even win a playoff series. Like going into the season, I would have been satisfied if the Knicks make the playoffs and at least had a strong showing in the first round. That's going into the season. Now, I am a believer that as the season goes on and you see what transpires, expectations change. And I think with the way the Knicks are playing at the moment, I cannot blame, I cannot blame people for thinking that if the Knicks don't get by the first round, it's a disappointing season because Compared to the COVID team, you have to look at the team set up at the moment. The COVID team did not have a closer. We have a closer now, Jalen Brunson, like Lee said. This guy last season without Luka, he pretty much killed the Utah Jazz and pretty much propelled the Mavericks to the second round last year. So now the Knicks have a closer. So now all the pressure is not on Julius Randle to carry the team anymore. Now Julius Randle can play more of his game and not have to worry about carrying the team late in games. The roster is way more built than it was in the COVID season. And then if you look at the matchup between the Knicks and the Cavs, the Knicks match up very well against the Cavaliers. And if you watch the games this season, Knicks look like they can, they can give the Cavaliers a run for their money. So I think it's reasonable to think that the Knicks can't beat the Cavaliers. The only reason, but I'm, but I'm also, at the, also at the same time, I'm not going to say that 
if the Knicks lose to the Cavaliers is a disappointment just for the simple fact that it's a, like, say, for example, the Cavaliers are going to have home court advantage. Even though the Knicks are a very good road team this season, playoffs is a different beast. Cavaliers are going to have that home court advantage. So, like, say, for example, if the Knicks took the Cavaliers in seven games and end up losing in Cleveland, game seven, I'm not going to be too mad about that because I'm going to be like, you know what? They gave the Cavaliers a run for their money. They didn't have the home court advantage, and they fought with this team. So I wouldn't be upset at that. But like, you know, like, you know, like Dexter said, if the Knicks get smacked in like four or five games, then it's like, you know, with the team you have, that shouldn't happen. So me personally, like, based on current ex- expectations, should the Knicks make the second round? Yes, they should. But, it, but I'm also with Dexter where it's like, it depends on how the Knicks lose to the Cavaliers, if I would say this season is a disappointment or not. I think that's all I'm saying. It's like I actually think some of the points – I think some of the points that Lee makes are very valid. I want to be very clear on that. Like I do think Lee makes great points about not just comparatively the roster being better – to 2021 but i do think there's a fair argument that top to bottom like lee is saying the roster is actually better than the Cavs and built to beat them and it is a winnable series i don't disagree with lee in that at all i think where we're probably just splitting hairs on this is that i i'm kind of as you broke down ryan i just kind of like hey it, for me it's about how it looks if they lose right like i think this is a winnable series i think they can win i think lee makes fan, lee makes fantastic points is why they probably should win right and the other point that you made, Ryan, about them being good on the road, and I was having this conversation with somebody else the other day, is that, look, the, and Lee kind of alluded to this too, the pressure is on the Cavs here, Dex. right? <laughs> and and you know what? Somebody, some, The person was asking me, they said, hey, Dex, do you think it's better if the Knicks somehow had the home court advantage in this series against the Cavs or they actually the road team? And I was actually making kind of the argument that, yo, it might be better for them being the road team because they played so well on the road can all of us concede this? Can we? And I think we'd be pumped if this happens. Can we envision a scenario where the Knicks take one of the first two against the Cavs on the road? Now they're coming back to MSG. The Hell fans yeah. are pumped up. Yeah. Okay, the fans are pumped up because we know what happened last time against the Hawks when we had the playoffs. I was there for Game Five when they when they, when they ended against the Hawks. Right, mm. all the fans were disappointed. But that, but when the beginning of that game, man, it was rocking in MSG. Yeah. Okay, yeah. and. If the if the Cavs have to come into an MSG for a game three, I, it's gonna be listen, rocking. It's, it's gonna be, it's rocking, gonna be rocking, and the pressure's on them. Yeah. So it's it to me, it's a very fantastic. I don't think the Knicks are scared of the Cavs. I think that matters for all the reasons Lee said. I think that the Knicks understand, and the points you made, Ryan, they have a closer this year. That's that's a better. They have a guy that's gonna stabilize this. I think a lot of what we're talking about here with the Knicks this year and this season and whether it's being a success, I think why this season success me no matter what happens in the playoffs is for what we're just talking about here. They've got a closer in Jalen Brunson. They have right. a leader in Jalen Brunson. There is somebody that we trust in Jalen Brunson. We might quibble about a lot of different things with the Knicks, right? Some people might not like Tibbs. Some people might not like this or that. But the one thing I think a lot of people can come away from this Knicks season to say is, yo, there's a guy and a leader on this team that we trust. Right. And that's what I think, even even in everything that Lee's saying, I think that's what gives Lee, and you tell me if I'm wrong, I think this is part of what gives you the confidence with the Knicks going in against the Cavs is that you know there's a guy, Jalen Brunson, as you mentioned, who you've seen get it done in the playoffs in a big moment, right? As much as I, I like Donovan Mitchell as a talent, 
Donovan Mitchell also has had some moments in playoffs. You know, well, it wasn't really him. I don't want to blame him. There's a lot more going on there in Utah, but he hasn't necessarily appeared to seem to rise to the occasion here. I don't think any of us doubt that come playoff time, Jalen Brunson ain't going to be scared at the moment, right? Yeah. There might be some other dudes on the team you worry about, but Jalen Brunson, no. So I, I think the Knicks could definitely win this series. I just think it's like, I don't think it's a disappointment if they lose in seven or something. I won't be disappointed if they lose in seven. Mm-hmm. It'll be sad, yeah. but I don't think I'll be disappointed. Yeah. Here's my thing, and mm-hmm. listen, is it a, to me a failure means a failure means this whole season was for nothing. When somebody says failure, it means what was this for? We went through all of this for what? And when you look at where the Knicks are right now, if the Knicks end up losing to the Cavs in six games or seven games, does that change the trajectory of the Knicks? Does that affect us long-term? Does that affect our future in a negative way long-term? No, because we have Jalen Brunson here. We have IQ who developed this year into a six man of the year. You have Randall as MVP caliber. You have Mitch, even though we had a shaky game today, has had a great season. You have all these great things that happened that is a foundation for this year that we can use into next year. And for us to say all of that because of the series, that that will be a failure to me, discredits all the work that's been put in for everybody that is on the scene. So I cannot say this being a failure just evaporates all that work. Like I, I can't see it, like, it. It baffles my mind to even think that way. Will I be sad? Yes. Do I think the Knicks can kick the Cavs ass? Absolutely. I do. <laughs> Absolutely do. Uh, be, because of the things that Lee laid out earlier. But to me, failure, that word failure is too grand of a word to sit on to encapsulate our season uh like I, and that's why i can never get on board with that word and that's why when stephen a smith said it i was looking like all right, all right. and then freaking uh rj not not not, not the bodman not the bible when rj said it on on i was like okay now now y'all bugging now but so i i don't know i don't know Stephen A. Lee over here is agreeing with them. I don't know. I don't go with that. I wouldn't go that route. Oh, well, in the, uh, I'm going to re- have a rebuttal here. In the beginning, the very first thing I said was nothing can stop this season from being a success because they reached the expectation that I thought it was. I said 50. I think they'll probably end up with 40 cents, 47. That's damn close to what I said and really far away from what the experts and analysts uh, predicted us being 41, 42 wins, maybe even 38. Uh, which I, I thought with Jalen Brunson was insane. The regular season is not a failure, and it doesn't take anything away from the players' growth, maturation, and reaching their potential. It doesn't take anything away from the jump that IQ made or the jump that RJ is making, being efficient around the basket. What it does affect is Tom Thibodeau as our head coach. If we lose in the playoffs because of a failure to adjust, a failure to, to change, a failure to try things on the fly, the chess match of coaching against a guy who's won one playoff game and his entire coaching career in J.B. Bickerstaff has never won a series and his entire life is a, a neophyte, as Clyde would say, as a coach. If Tom Thibodeau, 
who's won 61 playoff games, loses to him, out. Fire his ass. Yes, that is a failure for the postseason. Not a failure for the regular season. That's a failure on Tibbs, and Tibbs has to hold that L out the door. Changing the argument, but that's a whole different argument. <laughs> no, that that but is my it. argument. <laughs> that <laughs> is my <laughs> argument. Huh? That is my argument. That is my argument. Of only the postseason, or you said failure? You're getting really particular right now on your word. It's a failure of the postseason. When I started this debate, <laughs> when I rebutted to Dexter, I said this is not a yeah, failure of the season. Writers, the man. season's been successful. It's the postseason I care about, not the regular season. We met my expectations of the season. It's the postseason that I want to see Tibbs beat someone in the playoffs as a coach. But it, so if he loses in seven games to the Cavs, Tibbs, you won't you would say fire Tibbs? Yes, hundred percent. Because he's had awesome. two options now. He's had three seasons: one where he missed the playoffs, two where we got bounced in the first round. And it's the yeah, first time let's find a coach a who can take what he's built and move on. <laughs> And here's the thing, and I said this, I think, the last time I was on here, I said, I don't think it's a crazy idea to talk about maybe he's taking the Knicks as far as he can. But to some degree, I'm going to just push, play devil's advocate against myself. If he's taking the team to the playoffs two out of the last three years, in his only three years coaching, and this franchise hasn't really done diddly squat in all this time, that man is a success in himself to do that. Like what he has done is successful because a lot of people come before him and haven't done that. And no offense, but like where where is Knicks Nation to raise their standards so high when this team has not accomplished anything? That's that's my only thing. It depends on what team you're talking about. Courtney Lee, Joakim Noah, that team, yeah. But this team with an MVP candidate, Jalen Brunson, defensive player of the year, a sixth man of the year candidate, this is way better than anything we've had in the past. We and can't, it's, you can't have that recency bias just because we're good now that Tibbs is doing something miraculous. But, what, but, but what, what, what about the fact that they're playing in the tough East? They're playing in the tougher conference, right? Like that has to factor too in the expectations. You, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is a tough conference. And listen, Lee, if you're saying that this is a winnable round, and I think you're uh, obviously a lot logical Nick fan that would say, hey, if they got to the next round, they had to play what whoever it might be. They got to play Milwaukee. I, I don't I, I think you'd say and they get smacked by Milwaukee. I think smacked. you'd still say, hey, you'd say it's a successful playoff run. Yes. I, I just think I, I think it's a lot. I understand what you're saying, but I think that it's a lot to put it on Tibbs for one thing. If it comes down to a game seven and they lose on some fluke Allen Houston against Miami in 99 like shot, it's gonna, you're gonna fire Tibbs because of that? It well you just described is an anomaly. Yeah. If we lose on an anomaly, no. I'm not, I'm not going to say fire he, tips. He said, I'm going to understand the context seven of the moment. games we lose, okay. he's okay. firing tips. My thing is this <laughs> we've been complaining about Tibbs' lack of adjustments all season, but not even all season, uh-huh. all last season. Quietly this season, even when a lot of Knicks fans did not want to give him credit, and I've said it even on this show, even to you, Lee, Tibbs has made adjustments. They yes. haven't always uh, fr- uh, had wins with the adjustments, but he tried Cam. He benched, he benched Derrick Rose. He started Quentin Grimes. He's win small certain times in the game, even though we've been terrible, even looking at the numbers. We've been terrible every time we've been small. We... we we went from from uh stop doing drop cover so much and playing up on a three point line. We've been he's been adjusting all year, but he hasn't been getting the credit 
because all the adjustments haven't led to wins. So for for you to complain that once we get to the playoffs and we lose in six games and says he doesn't adjust, I think it's unfair. You know who has given him credit? Me. For the last two months, I've been on this podcast giving tips his flowers. Giving him his flowers. There was a point where he made legitimate changes to the roster and his offensive and defensive tactical uh, approach to games, game by game. And I gave him his flowers. I've sat here and said, the fire Tibbs signs in my closet, collecting dust. I opened the show saying, Tibbs coached a hell of a game in wins and losses. But this is a regular season. I want to see it against a seven-game series where a team you can scheme for seven games in a row, the same rotations against the same coach. That's what I want to see. I know what Tibson gave me in the regular season. He won 47 games with the T-Wolves, brought him to the playoffs for the first times in almost 20 years. I know what he can do. I want to see it in the playoffs. That's it. Lee, I love you. But the last time Dexter was here, February 2nd, Knicks versus Miami, we won the game. Dexter was here. You was grinning about firing Tibbs. That game, after we won, we were three games over 500. I remember that conversation. I remember the conversation when the Knicks played the Bucks, and me and Ryan G were telling you that we don't have the bench right now to compete with the Bucks, and it is more of a talent thing with the bench. You were screaming, fire Tibbs. There's certain times when you scream fire Tibbs where it did not make sense, and I was pointing out to you there's adjustments being made, but we still have a talent issue off the bench, and you fought me on it. Negative 40, our bench, IQ McBride, RJ OB Sims. Negative 4.5, IQ McBride, RJ OB iHeart. Plus, th- plus 13, just by switching McBride from iHeart. Just by switching McBride with heart. So what I'm telling you is it's not as it always been Tibbs fault but i feel like you kind of leaning on that a little bit too much and you have been waving the tips flag lately but it has not been as much as you claim you've been that's that for like false. two and a half months and you started to convert after all-star break it's categorically false to say when Dexter was on here i was grinning saying fire tips when Dexter was on here i said yesterday. i said i didn't want to talk about firing tips I didn't want to talk about firing Tibbs. Y'all brought it up, so we had the discussion. I have not wanted to talk about firing Tibbs because we're on a winning streak over 500. It's absurd, and it's manic to talk about firing Tibbs when we're winning. I won't talk about firing Tibbs when we're losing situations where we should be winning, and I only talk about that when the playoffs come around. What? Let me just say this, and then I got to take off in a second, but – Tibbs, you brought up Tibbs' 47 wins. I saw somebody in the chat say Tibbs is the best coach that Knicks have had since Jeff Van Gundy. That yes. person is right. They are nice. right. I don't give a salute to that. I'm sorry if I didn't, I didn't get your name on that, but that person is right. And we saw what this man did with the Bulls. I sometimes think Tibbs doesn't get enough credit for that. I, I like to be clear. I'm not 100 I don't think Tibbs is the perfect coach. I don't think anybody's the perfect coach. He does Tibbs have his flaws, and some of the flaws, Lee and I have talked about this, uh, off-camera stuff that we both agree with on some of the flaws for Tibbs. Um, I guess what I wanted to ask Lee and set this up before I leave is you said, and and JL, you talked about this too, Tibbs has made adjustments. Every adjustment a coach makes isn't going to work, and I think we all know that. 
do we have a reason to believe, or do you have a reason, really for Lee, I'm asking this question. Lee, do you have a reason to believe, based on what you've seen the last six to eight weeks, that you do not think the Tibbs will make these adjustments come to postseason? And that's where I was I think you will. I think you will, 100%. I think you will. I think he will outcoach J.B. Bickerstaff. I think he will prove that he will have his best coaching season, best postseason as a coach with the New York Knicks. Because the Cavs are because of Cavs in the matchup. There's a bunch of Minnesotans. I might not say that, but against the Cavs, I think he will adjust. And I think we will beat them in six games. Okay, so you're confident he'll make adjustments. Okay. Yes. Okay, I can't wait to come back and talk with you guys during the playoffs. Um, but uh, I, look, man, I, look, I, I'll say this before I, before I peace out. I, I think, like I said, I think Knicks Nation should be excited. I know you're excited. I don't think people should get it twisted that Lee is not. I know you're excited and Ryan's excited and JL's excited. Um, I, I think this has been a good season. I don't, I'm not faulting Lee or anybody who thinks that this is a winnable series. I think that's logical. I do not, I do not think that's crazy. Um, and if you have, if you want to have the expectation that she'll win, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Um, I, I think totally. Listen, the fact that the, as Knicks fans can talk about, a winnable series is a good thing. It's been a long time. Yeah. It's been definitely. a long time. Yeah. This is this is a good thing. This is not a positive thing. This is a good positive discussion. Um, and I think it's fine that we're able to discuss it, discuss it and say the Knicks can win this. And I really believe if the Knicks play the Cavs, I think Knicks fans should be excited that they can go there, win a game on the road, bring it back to MSG tied at one, maybe up 2-0, and the garden's rocking. That's what you should want this spring if you're a Knicks fan. That's what you should want. I think that situation is very possible. I think this team is good fortitude. I think people should have some slight concerns about this game as we talked about here the last two games, but look at some of the positives and say to yourself, this team has shown me to bounce back all year. Even Leah said this team has shown, the coach has shown and JLS was saying this too, to make some adjustments. Yeah. Ryan talked about the different things that he likes with seeing with RJ and other guys too. This team has shown growth and fortitude all year. So I think Knicks fans should be excited, man. I think it's I think it's dope. I think it's a dope time, and I think Knicks fans just just enjoy the ride. I guess that, I'm kind of in that space too. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to enjoy the ride and enjoy it. And look, as somebody who covers the team and does all the stuff in your sports, I hope it's a good spring. I hope it's a beautiful spring. I hope they make a long, not long as they can playoff run. That's all Definitely. I'm hoping for, I man. Agree. I'm hoping for the good vibes. Appreciate y'all. I do have to run. Uh, Got to be it in the studio in the morning. I appreciate y'all so much, uh, everybody listening, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Maybe right. well, they play the Heat next week, week at week. So let me know, man. I'm going to have to make it three for three. We might have to make yo, it. Let's go. Listen, yo, come back, Dex. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> we love you, Dex. Love, love you guys too, man. Peace and love. Yo, Be good. Uh, yeah, peace and love. Right, man. Yep. Yeah. Later. All right. Shout yeah, out. I, I want to add one thing sure. to the whole five tips thing. Um. These are just my thoughts about it, you know, just hearing it back and forth. So for me personally, I'm willing to give Thibs some slack just for the simple reason where I like I would be more harder on Thibs if I looked at this roster and be like, okay, the Knicks have a championship caliber roster this season. And then if the Knicks lay an egg in the first round, then I would have been like, yeah, Thibs got to go. But just the simple fact that the Knicks are still building and the Knicks don't really have a champ. Then the Knicks don't really have a championship caliber roster at the moment. If the, if this just have the Knicks do us, if the Knicks just if they could just have the Knicks have a strong first round performance, even if they don't win, I'm still willing to bring Thibs back. 
if the Knicks had a championship caliber roster and they and they lay an egg in the first round, that's then different. that's what I would, that's when I would be like, yeah, Dips gotta go. That's different. Monica was here before talking about consistency. Talked about I asked her about uh, why the offense is is good this season, even though it's ISO. It's just like we had a lot of the same players here. We had Jalen Brunson the mix. Uh, yeah, consistency. Like to me, like Ryan G said, we don't have a championship caliber team right here. So it's not championship or bust. It's have you Who shown growth from year to year, and the players have shown growth, and on top of that, the coach has shown growth. So I feel like because of what the coach has shown me this year, even if we don't make uh make it out of the Cleveland round, which I think we're going to anyway, but even if we don't, I I'm more confident that he can build off of the growth he's made this season than I ever than any of the past two previous years he was as as a Knicks coach. So I think I think to me personally, he's earned the the right he's earned the right to fail at least this postseason. Unless it's like some like collapse, like you said. I felt like he's earned the right to fail and show even more adjustment chops next season. Couldn't disagree more. I don't think any coach should ever have the right to, to fail. I can't really even believe it. You said that, uh, especially since two of the seasons since he's a coach, we didn't even make the playoffs at all. And the other one, he got absolutely embarrassed on national media to another coach who I think is not as good as him and Nate McMillan. I think Tibbs is a better coach. The fact that that my man, J.B. Bickerstaff, who's not a bum, solid coach, but only has one playoff game win in his entire career when he subbed in. He was an assistant and had a sub in as a head coach, and he won one game, never won a series. I think Tibbs is absolutely a way significant better coach in every a- aspect of a game. And also Cleveland is a one-man team offensively. Garland's a very good offensive player, but really everything depends on Mitt, Mitchell Robinson. I mean, on Donovan Mitchell. If he has a bad game, it's it, we might win in five. So I think there's so many things in our favor, depth, defense, offense, just the guys who have grown this team and played so long together, longer than the core in Cleveland. There's so many reasons why we should win this series, and if we don't, it would be an embarrassment and a failure in my eyes. It'd be an embarrassment to, to to fire a head coach after a successful season, and if he gets to a playoff role, and we decide to fire him because we lose in Game Six to a team who traded for a top 15, top 20 player in the NBA, that'd be an embarrassment as an organization, and and and, and an embarrassment as a whole. It's like a knee, a very extremely knee jerk reaction, considering this is his first year he had this team, the first year we actually had a chance, and he's shown that he's adjusted all through the season. It, it, it To me, that just screams knee jerk, uh, prisoner of the moment type of move. Yeah, I couldn't disagree more. Yeah. All it right. worked out well for the Raptors. Excuse me? It worked out well with the Toronto Raptors. Yeah, but the Raptors traded for Kawhi Leonard, though. Yeah, exactly. But Nick Nurse is a better there, coach. Is there a top 10 player on the team? Yes. Stop. <laughs> Joyce Randall is a top 10 player this season. <laughs> top 10 overall? Like for the last five what years? Are his no. Class numbers lead? The last 10 years? No. What is his class numbers? This year? Let, yes. let's, get, let's get into the nitty gritty. Game He's on number the line. seven MVP voting. Game on the line. 
Gilles Randle is averaging four points a game in the fourth quarter. Lee, four points yeah. a game in the fourth quarter. So I understand yes. the broad numbers are good for an MVP caliber player, but when it comes to the end of the game, more often than not, he's not getting it done. We've seen the turnovers. We, we've seen it. So come on. <laughs> What's the question? Jaron Brunson's averaging 5.4 in the fourth quarter. But he's a point guard. He's How many point guards can carry a team? Um, this Derrick Rose was one of the Steph greatest Curry? point guards. Huh? Steph Curry? Steph Curry. Steph Curry is an anomaly because the Golden State Warriors run a system in which they utilize his direct strength when he's running around like a madman. There is nobody else outside of Steph Curry who is that size who utilizes the offense that way in the NBA, who's been successful. Usually, when you come to championship teams, when it comes down to slower, random out offense, you need to throw it to a guy who is a wing or, or a big guy because he can withstand the pounding and you can't trap him like you can the smaller guard. Unless freaking Jalen Brunson starts shooting half-court Steph Curry threes, is not going to be the same because at the end of the day, like you've seen today, like we've seen all season, when you start to trap him, he has to give up the ball. They did the same thing to Derrick Rose. They did the same thing to Dame Lillard. That's why Dame Lillard even started shooting threes from half court to stop that. And, and that's why you need big wings and big power forwards who are clutch. And right now, Julius Randle is not clutch. No, oh, good thing we have Jalen Brunson. You just, you just did not hear anything I just said, huh? Did you just, you just hear me say I, anything? I, I, about I've seen Jalen Brunson in the playoffs. Huh? I saw Jalen Brunson in the playoffs last I year. See, I said he's clutch as hell. Yeah, no problem beating the Jazz or the Suns. No problem at all. Did, okay. Did, did they win a championship? They went to the West Conference Finals. Did they win a championship? They went to the West Conference. The team that won a championship, championship had Steph Curry. Name me a person guard. outside of Steph Curry who was a small guard who led a team to a championship without a sister with a huge win. Chauncey Billups. Without assistance of a big wing. Chauncey Billups. Without the assistance Tayshaun of Tayshaun Prince a big is wing. a superstar now? Hmm? Tayshaun Prince is a superstar? Chauncey Billups. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Should I keep going? Isaiah Thomas, yeah. Should I keep going? Tony yeah. Parker, no big wing. Dwayne Wade, no big wing. Yeah, Shaq. They have big men to okay. go with to. Just gave you, you five. Can, you can diversify. Yeah, you can diversify you can with the diversify. Knicks too. The Cavs. That's, we ain't talking about the butts, bro. That, We're talking about the Cavs. <laughs> that's the point of this. The point. The point of this is we have Jalen Brunson, but there's nobody who was clutch outside of Jalen Brunson. Once Jalen Brunson does not have the ball. You can take I the ball out Chauncey Billups' hand and Rip Hamilton is one of the best running around Steph Curry-like three-point shooting wings in the NBA. You can go to that. We don't have that type of shooting here. We don't have that type of big wing here who can alleviate once Jaylen, the ball is out of Jalen Brunson's hand. I trust Emmanuel quickly. I, I do have a bit of a rebuttal because I do get what Jay Ellis is saying. But the thing is, like with the Mavericks, for example... Like that Mavericks team, the Maver that Mavericks team didn't really have a dominant wing when Jalen Brunson helped them to get by the Jazz, and a part of that was because the reason why they well, the reason why the, the, the reason why they, the, the Mavericks were able to beat the Jazz just five. And I think it's probably and I think it's probably the same thing with the Cavaliers is because 
the Jazz play with Gobert in the middle, and the Maver- and the Mavericks just space them out with five shooters. Exactly, and that gave Jalen Brunson a whole bunch of space to just dominate and just go off. And I think with the Cavaliers, it's going to be the same thing because if you look at the Cavaliers lineup, they have Jared Allen, they have Evan Mobley. They basically play with two bigs, where they're going to have that probably have the same issue with the Knicks, and Jalen Brunson is going to probably have that space with against the Cavaliers as well and dominate that also. That's why the Cavs is, is a better matchup for us. Yeah. Right? That's why we gonna beat him. That's why Cavs is a better ratchet for. Him. And somebody says Rashid Wallace on Detroit. Thank you. Like that. Oh, he's a wing. Hmm. He's not a wing. He's a big. A big. Listen, this, this is what I'm saying, Lee. Wing big. Somebody with size who can punish the defense when your lead guy isn't cooking. Because at the end of games. When your your best scorer, they're going to try to get the ball out of his hands. When they do that, who is going to step up? Is my question consistently? That's why I I'm trust saying, Julius Randle as a second option. Huh? I trust Julius Randle as a second Julius option Randall after Brunson. Is averaging four points in the fourth quarter all season. And both Brunson's averaging five point four. What's Jordan, the point? Jalen Brunson. Clutch numbers is number two in the NBA, Lee. Like, let's let's stop playing. It's number four, actually. You know what I'm getting at. It's number four. He's number four, actually. Okay. And he's number four is 5.4. At 5.4. That doesn't change. So he's one point more than Randall. Doesn't change the argument. He's one point more than Randall. Randall is shooting, what, 20% from the field and 20% from three? Lee, stop playing. Stop playing. Stop playing with me, really. You act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I don't agree with you. I don't agree with you. I will look up. Randall's clutch numbers are right now, and you know, you know, Jalen Brunson's numbers in the clutch are like fifty percent and forty percent from three in the field goal percent. That I'm not arguing. And, and I'm not arguing Randall that. Is at twenty, you know that, Lee. Why I'm are not you, arguing why are you that. Like you don't know. I'm not arguing that. I'm arguing the point percentage difference between Brunson and Randall is one point. I trust Randall as a second option scoring when Brunson is in the, on the court as well. I have I have faith in that. Especially if IQ's on the floor too. Against the Bucks, no. You Against so- the Cavs, hell yes. Okay, if I get four points and take twelve shots, and I have five points and I take two shots, who's better? Randall is getting this one point less on on more shooting. Like, come on, Lee. Like That's you know what I'm talking about. I'm not arguing with you on that. Huh? I'm not arguing with you on that, so but as a secondary that, option. Are that, why are you arguing an angle that Julius Randle is a good clutch shooter when you know he's not? He's not a good clutch shooter, but I trust him as a secondary option when Brunson gets doubled in the clutch. Give it to Randle, who did you a bucket. He showed this last month. He's a top 10 player this season, not in the last 10 years or the last five years or the last three years. This season specifically, which is what MVP voting is based on, he's top 10. In fact, NBA has him, NBA.com has a number seven. Okay. Well, I for like I, a month straight. I admire your blind optimism. He's had some great moments in the fourth quarter in the last month. Well, when you're looking at the entire year, it has not been that way. Salute to the chat. 
I know y'all y'all enjoying this debate. They love it. I mean, I mean both. <laughs> I mean both make good points. I mean both y'all make good points. But yeah. So, so even though I'm more, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm more, I'm more lean, I'm more lean towards Lee saying that I do trust Julius Randle as a second option, as long as Julie, I just, I just don't trust Julius Randle as a first option. Agreed. Agreed. Thank God we got Brunson. Yeah, I trust him more as a second option than a first option. Am I hundred percent sold? No. <laughs> I'm not 100% sold. You know what's great? What I really love about this, and I think we can all agree on this, is the guy that Brunson's going to be cooking this playoffs is a guy he cooked in last playoffs against the Utah Jazz. He yeah. has a great track record playing Donovan Mitchell. Great track record. They're a one-man team. We are not a one-man team. We're a team. Yeah. And you know what else, too? I was thinking about this the other day, the loss to the Timberwolves. Right? Game is on the line. We have Brunson here cooking. Gobert is meeting Brunson right at that foul line area to prevent him from going all the way to hoop or even shooting the mid-range. It have been the perfect opportunity to go small there. Have Julius Randle play the five. Kind of did what uh, what uh, Utah did to, to Gobert in a series last year, but didn't do it. Um. Uh, admittedly, though, we haven't been good when we've been playing small this season, so I can understand the hesitation. But uh, considering what was happening yesterday with the center position and what Gobert was doing, it would have been a good, a good time to try it. Uh, yeah. Salute. I mean, start good debate, guys. Uh, no, no matter. Listen. No matter how Lee, me, Lee and I fight over here, this is all, it's still all love. This is all basketball. We don't take this stuff personally. It's kind of fun, actually. Of course. <laughs> but salute to the chat. I ain't even get to the super chat. Um, Find out super chat from my guy, Rodney. He says, failure equals first round sweep versus anybody. First round loss versus Hawks, Heat, Nets. Well, yeah, that's a different story. Because when we're saying first round, we're, we're, we're thinking you know, um, top four teams, not thinking Hawks, he says losing the Hawks, he's net is like a whole nother thing. Um, even though the heat is still kind of tough. Jimmy Butler is a beast. Um, 499 super chat from Keith Watkins, brother Lee. I usually agree totally, but you're wrong about Rashid Wallace. Great job guys. Um, shout out to Keith Watkins. Thanks for the 499 super chat. All right. Good show, guys. Um, I don't know if you guys have any final words, ooh picks, bruh picks. I got one. I got a bruh pick. Mavs lost again tonight. <laughs> another collapse. Another collapse in the fourth quarter. They had loot of this game too. Warriors came back and beat them. So that pick looks extra sweet. Let's oh, go. My, hold on, I gotta go to take it out real quick. Wait a minute. <laughs> What is taking off? Wait, what what was our pick right now? Shout out 14, to baby. Irvin. Huh? 14. 14? Yeah, that's, that's it's pretty good. <laughs> Kyrie Irvin, the 
gift that keeps on giving, man. Oh my god. As of today, the Knicks have the 14th pick of the draft. Just don't suck too bad and get 10. All right. Stay stay around 14. True. Yeah. I agree. Because they're gonna really mess us up and just tank on purpose and get a top 10 pick. <laughs> They, they they play the Hornets twice. The next two games are back to backs with the Hornets. Oh, if they lose those games, then you know to fix it. And then it's over. <laughs> <laughs> if they lose those games, you know they're like, screw this. We're going. We're, we're going for top. Oh man, well, well, you pray to the basketball guys, man. Let's Ryan go. Trade chip. <laughs> Ryan, do you we have any uh, bro picks or anything? Um. I do have a broad pick um, from this game tonight, Knicks versus Heat. High tower in the Heat. He only played like four minutes. And he made this one wild pass where I forgot who he was targeting on the fast break or in transition. I, I don't know if it was Bam out of bio or somebody, but my man threw a pass from the backcourt. <laughs> <laughs> and that pass was nowhere. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Like I like I think he I think he threw it off the backboard or something like that. I was like, oh damn. <laughs> nah, that pass is wild. That pass is really well. Hold on. Rub pricked it to the foot locker. Yeah, yeah, bro picked to the glorified foot locker dudes with whistles. All right. Bruh. <laughs> yeah. Man. I know we lost this game and we definitely did certain things wrong defensively that prevented us from winning the game. But there was a pivotal moment when Jalen Brunson was making a little push, hits a three. And then right after that, Kevin Love pushes Hartenstein to the floor, negates yeah. our three, and they call that an offensive foul. Bruh. Huge. That was a huge play. It was. Killed the momentum. And then there was a whole stretch where it didn't matter if Mitch was guarding Bam or Hartenstein was guarding Bam. If he was breathing Bam's air, it was a foul. Bruh. I ain't like it. Like, I can't, like, I, the, the, the fourth quarter refereeing was, was very suspicious. It, it was very Donahue-ish. I don't, it was weird. That's my bro picks for today. All right. All right, cool. This episode went longer than I thought. I thought we was going to get in, get out, but I guess the last <laughs> topic uh, dragged. But hope you enjoy that. We'll clip that debate since, shoot, that was like a first take ESPN debate. So that might get some views. I want to even talk about Mellow versus, uh, I don't even want to talk about that. I hate that dumb convo, yo. <laughs> and you know what? So to all those watching, that was a debate, a very fiery one, a passionate one. Both of us felt very strongly about our opinions, and there was no disrespect, no name-calling, and no one talked over the other person. So uh, other people didn't take notes watching. that. That's how you do a debate with someone that you respect without offending them and getting disrespectful. Yeah. Fact. Fact. That's a fact. Huh? All right. Who? Cool. That is our show, <laughs> Lee. <laughs> Let them know where they can find you, sir. Once again, follow the uh, uh, bread the breadcrumbs of the debate on Twitter. <laughs> Just look for JL and, and me going back and forth. 
we've been, I think it was like 48 hours straight. We've been going back and forth on this shit. Uh, I had fell asleep, woke up, got back on it. Dude. <laughs> I was in bed, man. Just like laughing my ass off debating. I love it. Dude. Uh, I've been like packing. I like I'm moving. I'm, I'm leaving in while I'm going to Jersey. I've been packing. I've been at work and I'm like, I'd be like, I work designing and whatever. And I'm like, you, you wrong, Lee, you wrong, tight, tight, tight. I'll be in meetings and I have to turn my camera off just so I can be on my phone <laughs> sitting back in response. <laughs> yeah, so they wrap my uh, plates. I wrap my plates in paper. Screw you, Lee. I don't even know what you're talking about. Sin. But <laughs> find me on Twitter at underscore Lee Escobedo. Um, man, I've been, I've been writing a lot to you on the NBA at large lately. Uh, try, trying to do some good things, covering the NBA as things wind down and gear into the playoffs. I mean, just so I type Lee Estabito, Sport NBA, you'll find all, all my damn articles. I've written like almost one a day. Nice. Definitely talent, very talented writer. Definitely. Uh, Thanks, brother. Stuff. No doubt. Um, Ryan G, where can they find you, sir? You can find me on Instagram at Sir G is Chilling. Sir G is Chilling. That's S I R G is C H I. L L I and you can also find me at Sergi's Corner. You can also find me on Twitter at Ryan G K O T. And just to put it out there, Cam Hive, y'all escaped me last week. Y'all definitely escaped me last week. But you know what? I ain't gonna, I ain't gonna be grimy. I ain't gonna be petty. Since when? You know, I'm, 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 I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna let it go because you know, y'all here treating Cam Reddish like royalty. Your man's had only two points against the Knicks, minus 27, one of six from the field. I'm here watching the game, and I'm like, yo, is that y'all king? Like, is that really y'all king playing right now against the Knicks? I mean, all I'm saying is that I hope y'all rub this royal feet after the game. That's all I'm talking about. <laughs> I am the Black Panther. <laughs> you missed Craig, too, Brian. Craig's oh, been yeah. in the chat while you were gone. Yeah, I saw Craig. I mean, he's trying to throw shots at IQ, but I'm like, yo, this is not an IQ versus RJ thing, man. Like, yo, we here giving RJ his props. He had a good game, but you want to throw shots at IQ because IQ <laughs> had a bad game. When IQ, I mean, if you want to be real about it, if you want to put the season as a whole, and I'm not trying to pit IQ against RJ, I but you. come on. IQ has had a way, com- IQ has had a way more consistent season than RJ. Like, no reason to take a dump on IQ just to big up RJ. Like, there's no need for that. Ryan, I've been wondering if Craig is my dad's burner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think my dad knows how to work a burner, but if he did, it would be Craig. (laughs) But I'm not calling you daddy, Craig. You ain't my dad. Oh God! Oh, I love you. Oh, <laughs> Craig. Oh, oh man. Oh, yo! Shout out to the chat, yo! Shout out to D. Raz, Alexander, MBHC, Mark Confessor. Shout out to Glamour Dix. Everybody else is rock with the show. Hit that, yo! Comment below. Uh, hit that like and subscribe. It's gonna help us. Um, you know, give you whatever. But yo, thank y'all for watching. It's been a good season. It's been a great season. Um, I'm gonna try to get some more guests to end this run, yo. We already know Dexter said he's coming back for the Heat game. Friend to the show. That's officially friend to the show right now. Uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, listen, oh. yo. Huh? 
I, I really want us to do a redraft of the 2022 redraft together, right? All three of us. I mean, that'd be really fun. I gotta do it. No, you'll table that. Table that for off season. Table that for the off. Season. Yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. When is yeah? You slow season. Good point. Yeah. Um. Hopefully, I've been planning to have some other content out for a year or two. Hopefully, it actually drops this summer, so y'all have some something fun to do in the off season. Oh, let's go. I hope. Please, please let it. Please, because the basketball, the gods have been messing with me about with my creativity. Try and get that out, but hopefully that actually comes out. Yeah, have some fun stuff to do with us in the season. All right, all right, all right, cool. All right, that is our show. Uh, let me actually physically close it out now. All right, the KOT show on Twitter, the Naked Time show on Instagram, and the Time show on Facebook is where you find us. All right, uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can listen to the KOT show. Do that. Shout out to the people who got snap. Shout out to Gaming Channel who just got a snap back. Snap back. Um, and T, go to nicktimeshow.com slash catalog for your Nick's KOT merch. All right. Cool, cool, cool. Good show, guys. Next game Hell is tomorrow. Yeah. Woof. Drake on a back to back. Trap another track game, man. Can't sleep on these long players in Orlando. I know they're they're not good, but we still gotta take. We talking about being t- being the Cavs. We gotta take care of business first. Yeah, we gotta take yeah. care of business. I don't want to get too worried about ourselves because I know that's what it seems like. But Miami is fighting. They can still catch us, especially to the, the next week's game versus Miami is, is a big game. That's a really big game. Um. <laughs> And um, Alexander, yep, we're going to MSG yeah, South. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. We need that win tomorrow. All right. But yo, shout out to you guys. Um, that is our show. And as always, shout out the World Wide West. Everywhere we go, we leave a worldwide mess. It's a mess out here in these next YouTube streets. That's our show. We out this mug. Peace. It's that piece, man. York, New York, big city of dreams. New York, New York, big city of dreams. In, 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 in,